Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Matthew 14 is where we're going today, and Deuteronomy 28. Matthew 14 and Deuteronomy 28. Get into the Word. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Don't you just love the disciples? It's a ghost. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to seek. When he saw that the wind uh, and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and everybody in the boat came and worshiped and said, truly, you are the son of God. Deuteronomy 28, 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only, not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. Today, I'd like to preach a message. It's a standalone. It's not a series. Next Sunday's Palm Sunday, and then we have Easter. But today, I'd like to preach a message entitled, A Win-Win Proposition. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. We give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's great to see Summer's mom and dad with us today in the house. Glad that y'all are here all the way up from the great state of Florida. <laughs> Percy Diaconis is a professor of mathematics and statistics at Stanford University. He's also, interestingly, a former professional magician. <laughs> he and his fellow researchers discovered that most games of chance involving coins aren't as even as you'd think. For instance, the coin toss, right? We make decisions, major decisions based on the coin toss. It's really not 50-50. It's closer to 5149 because it's biased towards whatever side was up when the coin was thrown into the air. Did you know that? Well, it's kind of quiet, but that's a quiet. You can answer me. It's, 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 uh, it's biased in that way. And then, you know, spinning a coin. So you put it and you spin it like that. Spinning a coin like a quarter uh, with the eagle on the, the back gives you more pronounced odds. The quarter will land, if you spin it like that, tail side up, roughly 80% of the time. And the reason, I'm sure you're all just, you've got a brain cramp trying to figure out the reason, is because the head side is a bit heavier than the tail side. 
and it causes the coin's center of mass to lie slightly towards heads. And the spinning coin tends to fall toward the, the heavier side uh, more often. And so you get this additional tails result when, when it finally comes to rest. But guess what? I have figured out a way where I can correctly predict the outcome of a coin toss or spinning a coin every single time. You've heard, you heard me right. I can get it right 100% of the time, guaranteed. Uh, let, 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 me, let me, who can I get up here? Who can I get? Aaron, come here, son. Now, I want you to uh, get, get all the way. Come on, come on. Woo, let's give it up for Aaron right here. A drum god, as we like to say. I want you to flip this coin. Just flip it, and I'm going to call it heads. Am I right? Okay, do it again. Heads. Do it again. Heads. W one more time. Heads. Now, I want you to take a look at it, and I want you to tell them what the deal is. Both sides are heads. You could have guessed yeah. it. Yeah. Both. Thank you very much. Let's give it up for Aaron. It's a two-sided. It's, it's, it's heads on both sides. It's a real quarter, and both sides are heads. So that, some of you are thinking right now, man, I need that right there. I, I could win some coin tosses, you know. I could decide where we go out to eat. I could make that decision. You know, I could. I need that coin. Well, see me afterwards. I'll make a deal with you. Here's the deal: the covenant making, covenant keeping, Creator of the heavens and the earth, the straight shooting, truth telling, Almighty God who cannot lie said to His people, "The Lord will make you the head." and not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. All you got to do is just take heed. Pay attention to my word. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll pay attention to the word, if God's word in your life will become a priority, it will give you the opportunity of a lifetime to where you will always land on top. Always and in all circumstances, he will make you the head and not the tail. He will always cause you to triumph, the scripture said. He will always give you peace that passes understanding. When, when, no matter what you're facing, he, it, it, your life can be tossed, right? Let me get this to my right hand. Tossed, flipped to and fro in this world and in this life, but you'll always be the head and not the tail. And the devil doesn't know what to do with you. He, the game seems to be rigged, and it is in such a way that the Lord will cause you to triumph and make you the head and not the tail, no matter what you're facing. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Let me just say this. You're going to face your evil day. You will face an evil day. It will come, and you'll be pressured to bow before the gods of this world and to disregard the revelation of the word of the true and living God. The pressure will be intense. It will be intense on you to lay down your personal convictions that you've gotten from the word that, that's the, the literal definition of the evil day. 
pressure to lay aside your calling, to lay aside your destiny, to put aside your faith. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But there were three Hebrew boys that we read about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were tossed into the fiery furnace. They were tossed, first of all, into Babylon where their names were changed and their diet was changed and their environment was changed. And they were challenged to bow down before this big 90-foot statue of a, of a false god of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and, and the threat was, you'll face the fiery furnace but those three Hebrew children taught us something. They paid attention to the word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shall you serve. And the Lord made them to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And, and listen, they were facing the fiery furnace, and they said to that old narcissistic Nebuchadnezzar, God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand. But if not, you understand we're not going to bow now or ever. And when we wake up on the other side of this furnace, we're in the presence of our almighty God anyway. Heads only, no tail. Head only, no tail. Win-win proposition. Listen to me, child of God. No matter what the devil is bringing your way or how much the pressure is weighing in you, uh, or on you, you've got to understand. Pay attention to the word. Don't compromise. He will make you the head and not the tail every single time. Can you give him some praise for that? Thank you, Jesus, for the blessing of the Lord. Now, in our reading, Jesus sent the boys across the Sea of Galilee. And uh, we've been on that lake. It's not that big. It's, it's just a little jaunt to the other side, a hop, skip, and a jump. It's about five or six miles, like going from here to some of your favorite places like uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, which is closed today, as you know. Uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, about five miles down airline. Uh, some of the other places you can go, Elmas Cal, a little closer than that up here, Mr. Dan. Uh, Elmas Cal, which my, my wife... Is well, I'm on line. Praise the Lord. I love El Mascal personally. Me and Mr. Dan love El Mascal, but it's just a few miles up the other direction. And, and several of these guys that were asked to go across were professional fishermen, expert boatmen. This should have been no big deal. And with the wind in their favor, their little vessel could go about four and a half miles an hour. So that means they could make this trip in about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. But against the wind, especially a storm, a violent wind like they were facing, the bottom line is this, they could barely move, if at all. So they got to going and then a storm came up. So they got a little bit out there and then the storm started just weighing on them. And they, they were trying to pay attention to the word of Jesus that said, get in a boat. And go to the other side. So you see that. They're paying attention to that word. Following his instructions. And then a storm blew up. And mercy. Can I talk about that for just a moment. Often when you try to do the word of God. You're going to have a storm blow up in your life. Just as you get started. Right there at the very beginning. Jesus said in Mark 4. That the word was sown. And the enemy came in immediately. To steal the word that was sown. 
As soon as you step out in faith and start trying to do, you just understand the enemy's going to come in like a flood. You start trying to go to church, you'll wake up with a flat tire. You, you start trying to go to life groups, and, and, and those people that never called you are going to call you and say, hey, won't you go fishing with us today? We're going to have a barbecue at our house. And here you are just trying to do what you feel God's leading you to do. Or, or maybe you start serving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you've turned to Him, and you've given Him everything, and your ex gives you a, a, a call, starts paying you some attention out of nowhere, wants to get back together with you, not interested in the things of God, and, and you're tossed to and fro, all right, up in the air, your life's up in the air. What do you do? You just keep paying attention to the word that he spoke to you. You just keep sailing across that sea in the face of that storm. You just start rowing. You push a little harder. You never stop paying attention to the word. Give it your all and never back down no matter what the storm comes your way. The enemy comes in like a flood, but the Lord will raise up a standard against it. You just keep paying attention to the word in spite of the pressure. Because listen to me, the same word that brought on the storm, the enemy's mad because you're obeying the word and he brings on the storm. That same word will bring you through the storm to the other side. So don't stop now. One, one guy said if you're going through hell, don't stop. I mean, you're going to come out on the other side. It's, it's rigged in your favor. You're above only and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. It's a win-win proposition. Come on, give the Lord some praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, we know from Matthew's account that the disciples had rode some four to six hours into this storm. And, and they've gotten halfway to their destination. So it looks like they got kind of like halfway, the way if, if you put the physics to it, they got about halfway. And then the, the storm breaks out, and they really don't make any more progress after that. And, and so John tells us that uh, they were out about three or four miles. They're puttering along, fits and starts, up and down. I mean, probably going nowhere. And, uh, you know, one step up, two steps back. It reminds me of times that I've been on a lake with my father and his Evan Rude quit working. And so, you know what was still working when the Evan Rude wasn't working, Mr. Wayne? The trolling motor. No. Not the mercury. No. The trolling motor was still working. It was hooked up to a battery. And so we, we faced some headwinds. And if you had the Evan Rude, you just fire it up and you know, chunk it down and you go into the headwind. But when, when the Evan Rude's not working and you got the trolling, does anybody know what a trolling motor is? You know that the trolling motor. Brenda, uh, the trolling motor. And so you you push the, you know, and it's and we have tried to go against storm winds because my dad's motor broke and we're just and what happens is you're, you, you, it just, you go a little bit and you turn sideways and you're turning it and you're, you're doing all, and you know, paddle, son, and you're like paddling and you're the troll of it. It's just, you're just not getting anywhere. That's what I see these guys doing. They're out there just trying their best. And then Jesus comes to them walking on the water. It's about 3 a.m. or so. 
And, and, and it's, that would have been for a man about 30 years of age, believe it or not, I did the research, uh, that would be about an hour walk for a man of about 30 years of age, which is about what Jesus was. But how does this even count in the situation? Because after all, he's walking on water, right? So, I, I mean, he could have just instantly gone from here to there, and he's walking on water. But the idea is Jesus comes to them, and, and he's, he's walking on the water, and they see him, and they're like, is this a ghost? Uh, what's going on? They're afraid. And then Peter cries out and says, if it's you, and if you study it in the, in the, in the original languages, he's basically saying, if you are who I think you are, if you are Almighty God. Because if you look at it, at the end, they worshiped him and said, you're the son of God which is a divinity phrase referring to the Christ. And so Peter looks and says, if you are who I think you are, if you are the Jehovah of the Old Testament, then bid me come to you on the water. So he takes this opportunity to clear up a theological question that he has. And the way he phrases the question gives Jesus Christ no alternative answer. All he can say because he is the Jehovah of the Old Testament manifested in flesh. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one Lord. He was accused by the religious folks. Who does this man think he is? He's a man and, and, and he's forgiving sins. Only God can do that. They didn't understand. He was God in the flesh. But the way Peter phrases the, the question, if it's if you're who I think you are, if you're the Jehovah, if you're Almighty God of the Old Testament, bid me come to you on the water. And Jesus just says, well, come on, old boy. Come on. I love that. Just, you know, Peter's curiosity, maybe it's his ambition, trying to clear up a theological question. He gets this other word from Jesus. It's a command now. Come. Now this one, is harder to hear for a boatman, you know, sail into the storm is one thing, but walk on the water is another thing. And so when, he, when he's, he's trying to obey the first word, which is near about impossible, that's when he gets that second word, which is totally impossible. But Peter, notice, as he was paying attention to the first word and not giving up, I'm going to sail, I'm going to sail, I'm going backwards, I'm not going the way I'm supposed to, I'm going to sail, I'm going to push through, I'm not backing up, we're not going back, we're going to the other side. As he's trying to obey that first word, he gets another word, come and walk with me on the water. I want to tell you, somebody needs to hear this, not in my notes, but you've been trying to obey and trust the Lord and you felt the pressure to push back. If you'll push into it, God will give you another word. It'll sound bigger and badder, but if you'll hear it, you'll do things you would have never done had you not been obedient to that first word. To that first word. And you'll get revelation you never would have gotten had you not stayed compliant with that first word. So here he is, man. He's pushing. Th Do you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Isn't this exciting? I got to keep you awake on daylight savings time Sunday. And so his life, listen, he, he, he's, here he is. He's trying to pay attention. And you, you just got to understand, he's climbing down out of the boat at that second word. Come. 
He's climbing down out of the boat. It's one thing to say it, and then it's another thing to follow through. We, we, were, uh, we were on some boats that they say were like those boats. We actually looked at a fishing boat that some say was Peter's boat. I don't think it was, but it was, you know, pretty cool. It was about what it would have looked like. And so he's, I mean, it's a good-sized bow. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to step over the thing, man. It's not like, it's not like those fancy uh, yachts where, where, you know, you've got that deck on the back and you just kind of step off into the water. You little, you know, you get the dinghy up there. It's not that. It, it's where, it's where you, he had to step over the boat. A crazy, crazy step of faith to step out of the boat, over the bow. Very difficult to obey that word. But he starts paying attention to it. Rather than thinking, I could look like the biggest fool if it's you, bid me come. And he says, come. I could look like the biggest fool. Let me tell you something. If we would become more concerned about obeying what God has told us rather than failing or how we look in the eyes of others who might judge us, we'd get through some storms and we'd walk on the water. I mean, Mary said to those boys, just fill those pots with water. He'll worry about turning them into wine. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, Jesus told that man, and you'll get your healing. Name it. If you'll just dip seven times in that muddy Jordan River and forget about your reputation and your religiosity and, and what others are judging you by. Your leprosy is going to disappear. If you'll leave the results up to God and obey and trust the word, it's a win-win proposition. Hey, let God be true and every man a liar. I'm going to put my trust in him and I'm going to live my life accordingly. In Jesus' name. And Peter walked on the water which is amazing, walked on the water in the middle of a storm, in the middle of trying to obey a difficult word. He gets a more difficult word, and then he's walking on the water in the storm. But then he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he got his eyes on what? The storm, the water and the wind, the results of the wind. He sees the storms. He hears the howling, you know. And, and I guess it just began to uh, sink into his thought processes, no pun intended. I am walking on the water in a storm, you know. You ever overthought a situation, something you could easily do, but you start overthinking it? I'll never forget. Y'all don't understand my past, y'all. I was a rock star in my own mind. I am a former drum god like Aaron here. I, I was in demand. I played all over the place. And I'll never forget when I was in my teens, I was playing at Tioga at the youth camp. I was going to tell you right now, Nick, you know how that is. When you're the camp drummer, first of all, I, 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 you know I'm tired. I'm sorry, guys. I'm <laughs> rambling here. but when, when I was the camp drummer, first of all, all the little girls in the camp were madly in love with me. Now, I had braces. I had teeth going everywhere. I had Coke bottle glasses. If I looked at the sun, my eyeballs would melt out, you know. My eyes! And uh, I, I played softball, but I was not that athletic. But I was a drum god, 
And, and those, and I didn't have to be a drum guy to be truth. All I had to do was be sitting behind those drums. And, and I was like, the, the, I, the girls were madly in love. Changed my life forever. I said, well, I know what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be a drummer, right? And I told my mom that. She said, son, you can't do both. You can't grow up and be a drummer, right? That's a little musician joke. But why am I telling you all that story? I've got a reason for it. <laughs> Holy cow. Have I totally lost my train of thought? Walking on the water. Walking on the water. Uh, oh, you overthought a situation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I remember I was at that youth camp. And I was playing the drums, and I had my blue Vista-like Ludwigs, which are classic, amazing drums. And I started overthinking the beat. We didn't have clicks and all that stuff and loops like we do now. And I, I'm like, I am, I'm overthinking the timing. I had good timing, but I was overthinking it. And the choir person, the person leading everybody is like leading this choir thing. And I'm like watching her, and I'm like, one, two, three. Four. And I'm like overthinking it, like two and the four on the snare, man. One and the three on the kick. And I'm like, one, two, three, four. And as I'm overthinking, I'm dragging. And I start slowing down. And I'm like, one, two, three, four. I'm trying to like get it just right, man. And as I did that, she, her eyes get big. She starts freaking out, and she's like, like, speed it up. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm dragging everybody back. You know, they're just dragging, and it's all my fault. And I was so humiliated. I'm like, I'm better than this. This is not who I am. Don't judge me by this. I've overthought the situation. That was way too long of a story to tell about this point. But Peter began to overthink the situation. What am I doing? I'm like, <laughs> I'm out here walking on the water in a storm. And when he did, he lost his faith, some of it at least, because he still had a little faith, and he started to sink. And so what did he do? He cried out to the one who gave him both words. He said, Jesus, save me. You ever prayed that prayer? Save me. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what my Bible tells me. Not perfect people. Not people who never sink. People who need saving. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ain't nobody too far gone. Ain't nobody too religious. Ain't nobody too irreligious. All you got to do is call on the name of the Lord. And he calls on the name of the Lord. And immediately the mighty hand of Jesus grabs him and pulls him up. And the two of them walk back to the boat on the water. And when they get back into the boat, there's this great stall, uh, calm on the sea. And every one of them, including Peter, they worship Jesus. And they say, you really are the son of God. Jesus showed them something that day and Peter learned some valuable lessons that day including something about the mighty hand of God. Listen to what he says in his epistle in 1 Peter 5, 6-7. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God 
that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. He was, he was going down. He was sinking, and he called on the name of Jesus. He humbled himself and said, Jesus, save me. And that mighty hand of God immediately pulled him up and rescued him. Peter cast all his cares on Jesus that day, and they walked back to the boat together. When Peter's life was up in the air, tumbling to and fro, it was a win-win proposition. He was the head and not the tail. He was facing a storm. He was facing a, a sinking spell, so to speak. But it was a win-win because Jesus never left him and never forsook him. Can you stand with me right now? Never left him. Never forsook him. Win-win proposition. Can I flip it again and catch it in the light? It's hard to see. Oh, lost it in the light. I th overthought it, y'all. Overthought it. See, you don't have to think about it and do it. It's a win-win proposition. The devil tries to tell us, you're going to lose it all. I'm so big, bad, and powerful. I've come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to wipe you out. I've come to eliminate you. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to succeed. i got weapons that I've formed against you, and they're going to prosper. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to wipe you out. You just think. You started this. Now the storms come, and now you're afraid. I'm going to wipe you out. I want you to know the Lord has you in a win-win proposition. I'll tell you something else. John was in that boat, and he would like, he would write, no, nothing can take you, can pluck you from his hand. Wasn't no storm, the laws of physics, nothing could take Peter from the hand of Jesus. I once read a story of a young couple. They were struggling to get by. After a few years on the job, the young husband had enough and decided to go to his boss and insist on a raise. He told his wife that morning, I'm going to go ask for this raise. I'm a little nervous, but uh, we've got to have it. Towards the end of the day, he went in, asked the big question. The boss said, absolutely, I'll give you the raise. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a generous bonus to boot. He wanted to surprise his wife, so he didn't call her. He went home, and to his amazement, she had his favorite meal on the table. She had out candles, and she had a card laying there that said, Congratulations, honey. I knew you'd get the raise. I love you, and I made your favorite meal so we could celebrate. He thought to himself, somebody must have called her. They, they probably let her know. That's, that's wild. Until she got up, went into the kitchen, and he saw another card under her place setting. He looked at it, and it said, I'm sorry, honey, that you didn't get the raise, but I love you regardless, and I made your favorite meal, just so you'd know. That old boy had a win-win wife. You know what I mean? A win-win wife. The Lord has set you up in a win-win position, church. You hear what I'm saying. No matter what the enemy brings against you, my Bible tells me nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus.
He causes us to triumph in every situation. What challenging situation are you facing? What challenging word has the Lord given to you and you're doing your best to follow it? But man, you're up in the air, tossed to and fro. I want to encourage you, keep pushing. Keep persevering, man. Walk on through. God's going to bring you through to the other side. It's a win-win. He's rigged the game. You're the head only, not the tail. That's what He's done because you've paid attention to His Word. You've put His Word first. Not religion, not what others think about you. You've put His Word first. And I'm telling you, He, he will not turn His back on you. No matter how the storm winds blow and the pressures of this life come. Amen. Can you close your eyes with me right now? Father, I thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway. It is the means by which our steps are ordered. For the psalmist said, order my steps in your word. Father, it is your word that is supreme, that is most important. And our obedience and adherence to that word makes the difference between the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. The blessing of the Lord is commanded on those who walk in the word. The provision of the Lord is commanded on those who walk in the word, Father. Let us find ourselves in the word. Let us find ourselves bowing before the word and not before the Nebuchadnezzars and the false gods of this culture, of religion, of this world. Help us to bow before the Word, before the living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Word made flesh. Can you lift your hands to Him right now? Father, we bless Your name. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.